Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone. My name is Bill, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. I'm here with longtime friend Steve. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We appreciate you showing up as well to listen to us. We both had a long week, and we're doing this late, late at night. <laughs> yeah, we to are. trying to get this done, so excuse our whatever. So, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that we have fellowship with you. Thank you that we have joy. Thank you that we have peace. Thank you that we have all the fruits of the Spirit. And we want to walk in them tonight. We want to walk in your spirit. And we want your spirit to guide us into this letter of First John that we've been working on for the last three or four weeks with keys. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus. Give us understanding. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and let that go through the podcast and into the ears of everyone that's tuning into this podcast. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, make our joy complete. Yes. Well, we got quite a letter here, Steve, don't we? Yeah, First John is something else. It is. Let's see, we, we left off last time with, we tackled the actual controversial verse, First John 1, 9. I, I would say the biggest impact to me was the verb tenses. What about you? Yeah, the fact that it was... If we present tense confess that we possess the sin or yeah. the, the sin nature, he is faithful and just to have past tense forgiven us and past tense cleansed us from unrighteousness. And that past tense action credits us for the present tense. Yeah. That we live in. You were having some past tense have spazzes yeah. over that. And me too. And we, we said pa past tense. And if we have a little time, we'll actually get in. It's actually in the Greek. It's called an aorist tense. And True. For True. Greek nerds out there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give you a little redneck Greek tonight. Little, yeah. Redneck Greek. That's us. The redneck Greek guys. <laughs> But no, it's really interesting because the aorist tense is, from a redneck point of view, it's something that happened at a point in time in the past. Now, if you're a scholar, you say the word punticular. Yes, you do. As you appear scholarly. When the you punticular say. aorist tense. Punticular aorist tense, yes. Basically, it means it happened at a point in time with present tense results and we just put it in simple past tense 
and there's a first and second heiress, and there's a little di- difference between there. But what it really means is if we confess he's is faithful to have forgiven us at a point in time in the past with the present tense result that we're forgiven. We're forgiven. And, and he was faithful to have cleansed us from a, at a point in time in the past. And this is where it gets interesting with the present ongoing benefits of continually cleansing our life. Yes. Which is getting us away from this sin problem that we're, that we're having, separating us from the sin. Yes. That we talked about, the singular sin. Or present tense, continuing, God continuing to view us as cleansed because of what his son did past tense. So knowing that now, Steve, that we don't have to list all our sins and bring them to God. First John was never about that. Yeah. So now that we do that, let's give a big. Yeah. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see what the letter is actually saying again. Okay. We brought up it's primarily fellowship. Right. And John is just doing cartwheels. He's so excited about telling us about this fellowship that he has with the Father and the Son. We use that word face-to-face a few times. That's what fellowship is. And So let's look at the letter because he's going to tell us how to have that same fellowship. And he said, when you have this fellowship, you're going to have some unbelievable joy that goes along with it. Yeah. Should we start in verse 1? Sure, I I think we should. Let's see. Do you want me to read? You can read a good one, and then when we get into the verb tense verses, I'll I'll bring out a Greek paraphrase. Okay, okay. So 1 John 1.1, what was from the beginning that we have heard what we have seen with our eyes and what we beheld and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us, and more importantly, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write these things to make your joy complete, or our joy complete. I'm sorry. I've seen it both ways, actually, in a few different translations. It is true. It is true, but the Greek lends itself more to being our joy complete. Well, I'm going to give you the joy of unpacking, highlighting it. Yes. John is teaching us about this man that he fellowshiped with and did ministry with. For a reason. He's saying, this is the reason I'm telling you about this Jesus. It's so you can have fellowship with us. And more than that, our fellowship is with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. He's not saying more than that, our fellowship is with Steve and Bill. He's saying our fellowship is with 
God the Father and Jesus Christ. He wants to fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ. That's why he was telling the people about Jesus so that they would get born again and Jesus would manifest himself and they could have fellowship with him. He says, I'm writing this letter to make your joy complete. In other words, it's the how-to book on making your joy complete. And it's by learning how to fellowship in the Spirit. So the key to this maintaining fellowship is walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, depending on the Spirit all the time. It's the key to the whole New Covenant way of life. This is my way of life, which I teach everywhere in every church, my way of life in Christ Jesus. So the letter is about fellowship, and it's about maintaining this fellowship by walking in the Spirit all the time. Yeah. And it's it never was about doing something with your sins from time to time to maintain fellowship. No, not when we look at it in context. No, and you know where that comes from. In Isaiah 59, your sins have separated you. You probably heard that a thousand times. True. That your sins have separated you. That is an amazing chapter. And if, if I can find it here, I just wanted to have a few thoughts about it, Steve. Mainly, I want to share maybe three verses from it. Cool, cool. Verse 2 is the one everyone goes to. I'm going to read that, okay? It's okay. Isaiah 59, 2. Right. Get the reading glasses. Tell me you haven't heard this sermon. <laughs> but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made his hide his face from you so that he does not listen. He won't listen to you if there's sin in the camp. We were talking fellowship is face to face. Yes. But this one says he's hid his face from you. Yes. <laughs> Don't they always start on that? Yes, they do. That's where the whole sermon goes. So you better not have sin in the camp. Look what they do. Look yeah. at verse 1. Check this out, Steve. Indeed. This is one they don't read. No, I know. Indeed, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear. But they skip one and just step right into number two yes. every time. Yes. And that's why we have this broken fellowship. Th that's where... That's debate where, into First John. It really is. It, it gave First John its concept, its birth. And that's the only place in the Bible where it talks about separation, broken fellowship. The only place. Oh, yeah. And have you ever seen what what the Old Testament tells you to confess? <laughs> you have. Uh, I already mentioned stepping yeah. in number two. That <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. but you, you, if you care to look it up, you just look at what the Bible actually tells you to There's confess, like specifically to confess. It's in Leviticus, what, 5, 7? Yeah, it's in the trespass offering. Yeah, check, check it out and see what it tells you to confess to. If you go to the latrine and <laughs> you know, use your scoop to cover, 
Well, we're not making this up. It's yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, well, if you don't show it, up as a witness. If you don't show up as a witness, but if you don't cover your poop when you pooped, <laughs> is that it? Yes. You have to confess. You have to confess. And that involved the ashes of a red heifer. Yeah. Which is another topic. <laughs> too. Yeah, sure but that is. was already prepared for them. The red heifer was prepared once a year for the whole year. Exactly. That they could go take the ashes and wash the water, and your conscience was clear. Yeah. They, and it wasn't even a sin. No. It was just you neglected to do something. Right, right. You touched a dead body was the other one. Yeah. Well, there's one more, too, and it's really hilarious. You, you just have to check it out in Le- Leviticus 5. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was... When you, you read it for what it's actually saying. In case there's kids listening. Yeah, it. we won't mention it. In case I there's forgot. kids listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so look at verse 1, Steve. Yes. We did. Indeed, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, and his ear is not too hear, too deaf to hear. Do you know what that means? It means his hand is not too short to save, and his <laughs> ear is not too deaf to hear. Right, right. But, we, but what, what do we do? We focus on this. But your iniquities have built barriers. And that's true. It's in the Bible. Yes. But it doesn't leave you there. He says, I'm going to solve this problem. Exactly. Let me go down to verse 20. The Redeemer, this is the solution to your sin separating you. It sure is. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is the Lord's declaration. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit is who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth, the spirit in your words will not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your children or from the mouth of your children's children from now on and forever. That kind of sounds permanent to me. It does. It does. Permanent fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the key word. My spirit. Yes. Who is in you. My spirit. He's going to keep perfect fellowship. It's going to keep perfect fellowship for so you. So we see there that if we walk in the spirit, it's synonymous with everything it's going to say. Yeah. Darkness. And even in the Old with Testament. Sin or without sin, yeah. Even in the Old Testament, when he was saying, you know, that, that there's consequences for sin, he was saying, I'm still going to take care of everything and I'm going to do it by way of the spirit because. In the New Testament, once you get there after the new covenant starts and we're going along with the fact that your sins and lawless deeds, he'll remember no more. Then it, it says in Hebrews 13, 5 or so that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never going to do it. He's never going to do it in, in the new covenant. It's never going to happen. So first John one nine in those passages were never to be interpreted as separation, as, as separation or condemnation Bro- or Christian soap or broken fellowship. None of those w- were ever it. He, they were always on the subject of let me show you how to fellowship and make your joy complete. 
And when they talk about things like God is light and in him is no darkness, and we get into those illustrations, there again, they're illustrations of the flesh or the spirit. And that's the way he's going on with it. And they give that one eternal truth in the middle of talking about the flesh and the spirit. The fact is, is that if you confess that you have the sin, he is faithful and just to have forgiven you and to have cleansed you past tense, which is an eternal truth that you accept by faith. But for the sake word to you. Yes. For the sake of the conversation in first John, you have to admit that you don't always live the exemplary Christian life. You have to admit that you do have a sin nature. That yeah. and that's what it says in six and seven. That it literally has the sin nature as a singular, as singular, the as in the sin, the sin. You possess the sin, and you you have to admit that. For the sake of the letter, not for the for to the get sake you of back right with God, not to get you back right with God, but for the sake of understanding this truth about yourself that your human nature only produces the sin. Remember when in First John three seven it said the child of God does co- not ever commit ever commit one, one single, single sin, sin, but habitually practices goodness. Yeah. Goodness, almost said. <laughs> In one of the earlier podcasts, we kind of made fun of First John one nine, say, saying that it's a caveat to the letter of First John, and the caveat is that if you confess your sins, you'll you'll get saved again, and that Christ will shed his blood on the cross again for you. And we were laughing about it and everything, but there is a caveat to to First. John 6 through 10, and it was the idea that for the sake of this letter working in teaching you about your flesh and your spirit, you have to admit that you have a human nature that has sin in it. It was the Greek word echo. 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 That you own. That you own. Or possess a a sin. sin. The sin. The sin. The sin nature. So... For the sake of First John being able to teach you about how to fellowship and have your joy complete, you have to admit that sometimes you, in the realm of time, in the realm of your experience, you have to admit that you don't always live as you would like to live. You don't please everybody around you. You have to admit that. But remember the First John one nine the eternal truth that he has taken care of it. And that would be the caveat First John 1, 9, is that it's in the past tense, and he past tense already took care of the fact that you don't constantly live an exemplary life. So then he can tell you why you don't constantly live an exemplary life, which is because of the human nature that you have and it, the fact is that if you are trying to tell somebody you're fellowshipping in the spirit, yet you are not keeping the commandments or you don't 
love your brother as yourself. Those are two ideas that were in First John chapter two. Um, you're not walking by the Spirit. You're you're not telling the truth. You're 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 deceiving yourself, and you're deceiving the person that you come to fellowship with. That's why in First John one, say six through nine, it, it was always saying we have to admit that we don't sin or that we do sin. We have to admit whether we're fellowshipping in the spirit or not. Then after chapter two, it's always the one person who says to you, if somebody is coming to you and saying, I'm in the spirit, but they're not acting right. They're not in the spirit like they're telling you. They're not being truthful with you. And you can tell it by their behavior. That's kind of like 1 Corinthians 5.11, I think it is, mm-hmm. where Paul says, Exactly. Don't have fellowship with someone that is immoral, not at all meaning the, the people in the world, but a brother who says he's fellowshipping with you in the spirit is what he's talking about. I think it says a so-called brother. A so-called brother, but they're not acting like it. No, it says a so-called brother who's being immoral or being a swindler. Don't even associate with them. Like, don't even eat lunch with them. You don't have to. You're not obligated to do it. There's no joy in that fellowship. There's no joy in that fellowship. Is there any joy in in having fellowship with a swindler? (laughs) No, there's not. It is kind of funny, huh? (laughs) That's an on-guard lunch. Yeah, yeah. Bring your gun, I'll bring mine, and let's have fun. (laughs) So the the fellowship that he's talking about is spiritual fellowship. And once again, he's saying, if someone, to rephrase, if someone claims to have fellowship but walks in the dark, they're, they're lying. If someone claims to have fellowship but is immoral, like this thing said, they're lying to you and they're, they're not having fellowship. They're not having true spiritual fellowship because the Spirit never does those things. The Spirit is never immoral, not a single time. Not a single time. The flesh is immoral you're, habitually. You're just nailing the letter First John. You're just nailing it. Except when he's faking it. Because when he's faking it, it produces absolutely no joy in the fellowship. Doesn't, doesn't Paul say the same thing in Philippians 2? Oh, man. About fellowship? You are so right. You're so right. We should go there. We should go there. Let, let's do that. Let's go there. I'll read it. You make the comment. How about that? Okay. Okay. Let's see. Philippians chapter 2. Okay. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion... Make Make my my joy complete. complete. Isn't that the same exact phrase that John used in 1 John? Any fellowship in the Spirit, make my My joy joy complete. complete. What does fellowship in the Spirit do? Makes your joy Joy complete. complete. That's why he wrote the letter to 1 John. John. And that's why taking 1 John or interpreting 1 John 1-9 
as how to restore fellowship or how to get yourself resaved or anything that to do with condemnation, it just doesn't hold water. It just doesn't hold water to interpret First John 1, 9, 1, 6 through 10. No, it doesn't, because as we've said before, the your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no, no more, more is the cornerstone of the, the new covenant. covenant. Right. Yeah. Right. In interpreting, says, they all shall know me from the least mm-hmm. to the greatest. Yes. Then it adds, because their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember, remember no more. You can't, you can't. Remember your it, sins and have fellowship. You can't remember your sins and have fellowship. You can't interpret First John in any way that contradicts the cornerstone concept of the new covenant. No, the the new covenant was advanced in in John chapter eight when he said, "Neither do I condemn you." Yes, go for it. And remember, they brought the woman into adultery. Caught in adultery, right? Should we look at that passage? I pretty much know it. Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Remember that the Pharisees brought the woman in. Mm -hmm. Said this woman was caught in the act. And it said, Moses Moses said we should stone such a woman. Right. What do you You say? And he wrote on the ground. No one knows what he wrote on the ground. I've heard a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he he bends down to write on the ground. Then he does it again. And they all started leaving from the oldest to the youngest. They all broke fellowship <laughs> and separated themselves. Yeah. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. So right. Moses said, I condemn you. And you should be stoned. And you should be stoned. I count your sins against you. The new covenant says, I remember your sins no more. Neither do I I condemn condemn you. you. Paul said the same thing. Right. The law remembered his sins. He said, but now there is no condemnation for those who are in in Christ. Christ For the law of the spirit has set you free, cleansed you from Mm -hmm. all unrighteousness. Didn't Jesus say the same thing to the woman? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I'm going to. My spirit will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Preach it, Bill. Preach it. And the and the next verse, he said the same words. Mm-hmm. I am the light of the world. Go for not it. just the light of the church. Not just the light of the people. That whole world. The whole world. And he says, the one who takes sides with me, literally, or is my disciple, follows me, will mm-hmm. never walk in, in darkness. darkness. So when you're walking by the Spirit, you're never going to walk in darkness. Or condemnation. But you shall have the light of literally the The life. It's the darkness and the The life. There's only one darkness and there's only one life. Yeah. And that life is the light, or one light, and that light is the light of his light. Yes. Which is the Spirit living inside Inside of of you. Which is what you're fellowshipping with. Right. The Father and the Son are fellowshipping in you with the Father and Son in, the, in me by the Spirit. In John chapter 8, Jesus was setting the foundation down for First John. Yeah, he was. He really was. And so let's go back to First John 1. Okay. 
I'm going to pick it up in five. Okay. But I'm going to read from this para, not paraphrase, but it's the literal. Yeah, it's it's how the Greek would read in English. The way. the word order. Let me put it like this, Bill. This is a, an actual literal. Greek translation, Greek to English translation, but it's so literal that they keep the Greek word order intact. They translate it word for word in the same word order as the Greek does, not putting it in an English word order for understanding. They use the Greek word order, and the reason that is important is because Each sentence in Greek starts off with the most important word. In other words, if Johnny was the most important word, it would say Johnny hit the ball. If the ball was more important, it would say the ball was hit by Johnny. Whatever is the most important thought of the sentence is the first thing that comes up in the sentence and the translators have to take that into account when they're structuring these translations into English to be true to that Greek word order, at least the best they can. Yeah, it, it really does. So I'm going to read from this literal word order and instead of the easy read, put the reading glasses on. I'm going to go ahead and do five, six, and seven together. Okay, five, six, and seven. It'll go for it. Verse five. And this is the promise which we have heard from him, and we announce to you that God is light, and darkness in him is not in any way. Verse six. If we should say that fellowship we have with him and in the darkness should walk, we lie, and we do not observe the truth. Verse 7, but if in the light we should walk, as he is in the light, fellowship we have with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so from that word order, you can tell that the idea of the blood cleanses us from all sin was the least important thing on John's mind. The most important thing on John's mind was whether we are walking in the flesh or in the spirit, whether we're walking in, in the light or in the darkness. That's where that those keys came in that we harped about for three podcasts. But that was the key of flesh and spirit are the two natures. Yep. And so how it fits in is darkness is the mind of the flesh or blindness. The mind of the spirit is light. So light is the mind of the spirit. Darkness is the mind of the flesh. So you got flesh and spirit again. But look what's interesting, Steve. The cleansing there is present tense. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Doesn't it sound a lot like what it says in First Peter? Ah, tell me what for. I can't think of what you're going to allude to. Where he's talking about fruit. Add to your. Oh, okay, okay. Kindness yeah, and brotherly if you, love. If you do these things, 
you'll be fruitful and effective in the kingdom. Yeah. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. But if you don't... Then it says you're blind or short-sighted. Isn't that the mind of the flesh? That would be... Yes, correct. You're blind or short-sighted and you have forgotten what? Your purification from your past sins. That's an eternal point of view. Yes. That you're... All your sins are, from God's point of view, past tense. Yes. Yes. Go on, Bill. That's good. Good word. So the mind of the spirit realizes that their sins and lawless deeds he remembers no more, that they've been paid for. That gives him the mind of the spirit, which is able to produce the walk of the spirit or the life of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit that exemplary christian life that we all desperately want but he's saying if you say that you have fellowship and walk in darkness meaning you're walking in the mindset that god is counting your sins against you you're not fellowshipping in the spirit you're lying exactly it's a telltale sign it's another telltale sign we remember when we started out, we went into First John 3 and we said the entity that is born of God does not commit a sin a single time. The entity that is not born of God commits sins habitually. Every time, to tell the truth. And then we explained how that the individual acts of sin come from the sin nature. Yes. And we explain the two natures again, even flesh though, and spirit. Even though it's trying desperately to walk the Christian life. The effort is there. Yeah. The results, fruit, is not. Right. So the mind of the flesh does not agree with the thoughts of God. For some strange reason, even though it wants to agree, it says, I, I do agree. Yeah, it's the mind of the flesh is what says, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Yes. So the mind of the flesh is darkness, and it's described as a sin consciousness. It is. In, That's in, walking in darkness is a sin consciousness. Yes, it is described in many places in the Bible. As a sin conscious, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's what John 5, 6, and 7 are saying, that if you claim to be walking in the light, which would be the, the mind of the Spirit, knowing that you've been set free from your sin, not only the condemnation, but you're being set free in time, delivered, rescued as you walk in the Spirit from all the things that, the bad things that you're embarrassed about, then you have the mind of the Spirit. You're operating in the mind of the Spirit. You're walking in the light. Yes, amen. You're walking in the light. But if you have a sin consciousness and you're always aware of your sins and you have this idea about keeping short accounts or Christian soap as First John 1, 9, you're not fellowshipping with the Spirit. You're walking in darkness you're walking in the shame of adam yes which is walking in the darkness yes the mind of the flesh is walking in darkness yes so th so that's telltale sign number one in first john how to right. how to tell whether you mm -hmm. have the mind of the flesh or the mind of the spirit his first example 
Correct. His first example. I think we're ready, unless you had some comments, to go to verse 8. Sure. Let's, let's, do, let's do go to verse 8. And let's use the same version. Okay. Okay. Got the reading glasses on. Verse 8. If we should say that sin, singular sin, mm-hmm. we do not have, that's our word echo, possess. Echo. Possess. Own. Own. Mm-hmm. We don't own a sin nature. Mm-hmm. I'm adding the word nature. Right. It's the singular sin. Right. If we say we don't own the sin right. of Adam, we mislead ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we should acknowledge or homologeo, say the same thing, agree with God, our sins, he is trustworthy and just that he should forgive us the sins and should have cleansed us from all iniquity. That's going to take some unpacking. Yeah, is that First John 1, 9? That was First John 1, 9. Okay, okay, past tense. Past tense. Both the forgiven and the cleansing are both yeah. in the past tense. To have forgiven and us and to have cleansed us. Yes, which is a technical thing, the aorist tense, but yeah, past tense gets the idea across. Right. So if we say the same thing, our sins. Now, remember we harped on it's singular sin? Yes. Although this says sins. Mm-hmm. But it's still singular. Right. And I can try and explain it if if you want. I think it's a teeny bit of a rabbit trail, but it, you, you need to go down this one and get back on track. You, you need to do it. Okay, so you, you're married, right? Yes. You have one wife. Yes. She's the wife. The wife, yes. Okay. If you were at a men's group, Yes. And I was to invite you and your wife to a picnic, mm-hmm. but I wanted to invite everyone and everyone's single, <laughs> the wife. Yes. I would say, we're having a picnic, bring your wives. Right. Am I saying each person has many wives? No. I'm saying many people, many men have a single wife. Mm-hmm. The wife of yours. The wife of yours. That's what First John one nine is saying. Okay. If we should acknowledge our sins, mm-hmm. the same as if we should bring our wives to right. the picnic. Right. That's, That's why it says we. We. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a group of people. So there's a group of sins, or there's a group of the sins with each the sin with each person. Right. The one with the many. Yes. Okay. That only took... Uh, Yeah, yeah. A few seconds. But now we're back on track and people are all the wiser for it. Okay. So let me read it again. If we should acknowledge our ownership of the said nature collectively, he is trustworthy and just that he should have forgiven us at a point in time in the past, the sins, and have cleansed us from all iniquity or yes. unrighteousness, mm-hmm. which First John five seventeen, I think it is, says that all unrighteousness is sin. Yes. Yes, it, it also does. says all lawless acts are, are sin. sin. So right. Sin is to miss the mark. Yes. Missing the mark. Person born of God never misses the mark. Right. 
Right. Bullseye every time. Mm-hmm. I think we're ready for verse 10. Okay. Now, okay, verse 10. If we should say that we have not sinned, a liar we make him, and his word is not in us. So now we're going from the sin noun, or the sin nature, the single sin nature, to the verb sin. If we say we've never committed any sin, that's what it means. If we say we have not sinned, are we fellowshipping with the Father and the Son? If we, we have not sinned, we wouldn't be. We'd be fellowshipping with Bill and Steve. Correct. We'd be deceived. Yes. So what is the purpose, Steve, of admitting you have the sin nature and admitting that you have sins, even though they're not counted against you? Because it's the only way you can address the issue of whether you are walking in the Spirit or you are walking in your human nature. You can't do it without pointing out that when you're walking in your human nature, you're falling short. Just to deal with, let's say, we're only going to deal with one side of this, Mm -hmm. and that's the forgiveness part. Okay. So I got that. Okay, Steve? All right. I'm forgiven. Even when I sin, I'm always forgiven. Yes. I'm forgiven for my whole life. Yes. Is that a complete package? No. I still got to deal with the problem I'm having because I want to be a light to my friends. I want to be someone that's fun to hang a fellowship with. The experiential problem of sin. Right. We have to deal with that too. Which are, these are temporal doctrines that teach us right now how to deal with the experiential feelings of sin, the, the, the experience. It's not enough to just know that you're forgiven every time you sin. We, we want to be delivered from it. We want to be able to make somebody's joy complete when we fellowship with them. Correct. We all desperately want this. This is the one universal longing that we all have is to just be pleasing to the people around us. Not just forgiven sinners. No. We want to... The life. We want the rubber to meet the road. We want to be pleasing to the people around us. And so do the people around us. (laughs) Yeah. They desperately want us to be pleasing. It'll be a mutual deal. Because when Steve falls short, it, it makes people miserable to be around Steve. So Steve does not want them fellowshipping with Steve. Steve wants them fellowshipping with Jesus, the Lord of the universe, through Steve. Because then everybody is happy with Steve. So let's go to chapter 2. Yes. And I'm going to read chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Not in the Greek word order. I'm not going to trouble anybody with the Greek word order. We're just going to read it the way it reads, like out of the New American Standard. And we'll deal with the tenses and the moods and the voices as we need to. With that in mind, let me just read chapter 2, verse 1. My little children... I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. There we're getting into the beginning of more illustrations of the flesh or the spirit. So we'll do this. But just before we get into this passage, I just want to say, hopefully we did First John chapter 1, 6 through 10, some sort of justice with everything that we said. We were certainly struggling for the words to explain First John 1, 6 through 10, but I hope by the Spirit's power, somehow you managed to get a clear message out of all that we said, because we took nearly three podcasts to explain that small little section or that small little, yeah, that small little section of text. I I just wanted to add that little disclaimer there. Okay, so it says, I'm writing you, little children, these things that you may not sin. And if anyone sins in most English versions, say we have an advocate with the Father, with Jesus the righteous. It's the Greek word parakletos. Everywhere else, except for this one spot, it's translated the helper. And I believe it benefits us greatly to see verse 1 as saying the helper, not the advocate. I don't know why all of a sudden they put in advocate like we're in a courtroom. You know, the letter of 1 John is now in a courtroom talking about advocates and lawyers and things like that because it wasn't. It was still talking about the flesh or the spirit. And the flesh or, or let me say the spirit is our helper to live the Christian life the way we want. So he says, I'm writing that you may not sin, but if you do sin, there's a helper. And the idea is that there's a helper to help you quit sinning by living the Christian life for you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's literally the parakletos, which is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit. So I, I needed to get that straight first. Called alongside to help. The Spirit that's called alongside to help. Do you remember Jesus saying, I'm going to send you the helper? Well, that was that word parakletos, the the Greek word parakletos. The same word is here. I don't know why they translated it advocate, though. They shouldn't have. It puts a veil over your eyes, and you can't see. That's how I learned it as the advocate or the defense attorney when you did something wrong. Yeah, he's he's always there to defend you. And it just put a veil over the meaning of the actual passage. So with that in mind, we'll look at it, and I want you to bear with me. Let's keep the word parakletos in there. Let's stay true to the word parakletos and say it's the helper. I'm already not guilty. I don't need a defense attorney. No, that trial's already been taken care of. I need help. I need help experientially with all my friends around me, and I, I, I need the help really bad right now, always. Yes, I always, 
<laughs> you can attest to that, huh? You can give that an amen. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's a constant thing. I always need his help right away because otherwise I'm putting my foot in my mouth. It should read, children, I'm writing to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have a helper with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. In other words, we have the Father in us, and we also have the helper, which is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son. We have both the Son and the Father in us. He is the righteous one. He is the righteous one. That's what it just said. Do you guys remember John chapter 14 when Jesus said, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and we are in you. Both Jesus and the Father are in us. So that's what he's talking about. The Helper and the Father are in us in 1 John 2, 1. It's really important to get that that straight because that keeps it in line with the train of thought that John is on. The idea of separation is just not in there. <laughs> no. And you totally have to get separation or any of that shenanigans out of your head to read First John. That's just such a huge veil. That's the mind of the flesh. That's the mind of the flesh. And the mind of the flesh can go find Bible verses to support its thoughts. And that is true, too. That is true, too. I've done it. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah, thank God. Just it was did 30 that. years it was ago. Isaiah 59. Yeah. We yeah. go to write the verse 2. Yeah. Your sins have separated you. Right, right. And we skip verse 1, which is having to do with the one called alongside the help. To, to yeah, right. The it was talking about the helper right there. So, and then the solution at the end of the chapter. The whole Bible's been talking about the helper and how you should abide in the vine and let the vine abide in you and just always stay dependent on the helper so that you can bear good fruit. So with that in mind, we'll look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. This is the first example of how to spot the flesh or the spirit. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. By this we know that we, what was the Greek word? Epinosis. Epinosis, the very Greek word that can mean experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's read it again. And by this we know that we have come to experience him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to experience him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. The one who is not keeping the commandment is in the human nature. He's in the flesh. He's in any one of those synonyms you want to use to describe the flesh because you can tell it because he is not obeying the commandments. That's how you can tell that he's not in the spirit, but in the flesh. And isn't then that, the, sorry to interrupt, but isn't that the 
cornerstone of the new covenant. I will put my spirit in them and they will be careful to keep my laws or commands. Right. And while you're living under this new covenant, you are taught how to fellowship with one another. And that's by fellowshipping in the spirit. And you're also taught how to spot whether someone else is in the spirit also, because that makes your joy complete when you fellowship. So there, First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 is your first example to read. And we'll let you read that for yourself. And hopefully through all that we've said and laughed and joked about and repeated over and over again, through all that, it gives you some sort of lens to read first john i know that you'll enjoy it if we did our jobs right if by the spirit's power we told you this part of the gospel clearly and boldly as we should and you have ears to hear and eyes to see and a mind that understands and if god is giving you a spirit of wisdom and revelation hopefully you'll really enjoy listening to first john the letter i couldn't agree more and if you're still thinking first john is talking about you're a christian or not a christian we failed you yeah (laughs) yeah sorry yeah or go back and listen to the podcast again right and and apply the keys that we pointed out exactly we went to a lot of bible verses to to point these keys at but either way first john is not a legalistic epistle. It never was. It was just misunderstood. And if you understand it for what it is saying, it is in perfect harmony with Paul and all the disciples, both Peter defended it, Paul defended it, Jesus defended it. It ran right along on the same wavelength or as the rest of the Bible. There was nothing but perfect harmony with the letter of First John if you're interpreting it by just using the Greek and the way it actually reads. And most importantly, the mind of the Spirit. And most importantly, the mind of the Spirit. The letter's in perfect harmony. Nobody should ever think that this letter does not agree with the rest of the Bible. If if they do, they misunderstand the letter of 1 John. Couldn't agree more, Steve. Amen. So Amen. with that in mind, you want to close us out in prayer? Yeah, I sure do. We'll close in prayer for the understanding of 1 John, Father God. Please give us what Paul prayed for in Ephesians 3 in Ephesians 1, that we would have this spirit of wisdom and revelation. Please give us that spirit. That's the one thing you usually do for Bill and I, is you let people have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. So please do it once again. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We want them to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation Lord, we're asking for that for them. We want the eyes of their heart to be enlightened. We want the 
understanding to be enlightened. We want them to take root in these scriptures, especially in the letter of First John, because it will give these people a way of life that is so much more beautiful and so much more filled with joy if they just learn how to stay away from the human nature and not fellowship with it, Father. So in your son's name, I ask you to bless this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. We love you. We do.